Psalm 96, verse one. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all the people. Have you guys ever wondered, like, like why do we sing songs? Like, it's just something that we find ourselves in situations where we do. We show up at church, and it's like, oh, it's song time. Let's all sit in a circle and sing. Uh, happy birthday. I, can I just be honest? Happy birthday creeps me out. Like, I don't know if you feel that way, but whenever it's my birthday, it is the longest song, and everyone is staring at you, and it's so long, and happy birthday, like, everyone's just staring at you. Like, anytime people are singing happy birthday, I'm just like, please, Lord, like, let it end. Make it end. You know, the reason that we sing songs, the reason that we come together as a group and sing songs, well, think about with happy birthday. Why do we sing songs to somebody? It's because we have a relationship with them. It's because we care about them. And in the same way, guys, we come together as Christians to sing songs because of relationship. It's because we have a relationship to God the Father. I don't know about how many of you guys who um, are big singers. Like just all the time in worship, you're always like hands up in the air, like raising your voice. Maybe some of you guys are more like the quiet singers, like just kind of singing like quietly, like I can't let anyone hear my voice. I'm just going to sing individually to the Lord. Or maybe some of you guys are like the ones who just never sing. You're just like, I don't know the words to these songs, even though we've sung these same four songs like every week. I still don't know them because I wasn't paying attention. Maybe that's you. Whatever you're Whatever your singing situation is here, I want to talk tonight a little bit about why do we sing and how do we sing and what does it mean. And I just want to encourage you guys, if you're somebody who you're not a big singer, I want you to know that God desires in these times of worship to have a relationship with you. Now, what that means is whether you're the person who sings louder than anybody or whether you're the person who sings quietly to themselves or whether you're the person who doesn't sing at all, you can still engage in communicating with God through prayer, in making the moment special for God. You know, a worship song is really, it's a modern day version of a psalm. When you look at the psalms in the Bible, those were the worship songs that they sang. A worship song, is, it's been said, it's really just a prayer set to music. And then when you look at the lyrics of songs, you see that they're really geared towards prayer. When you look at the, the lyrics of the song, it's, it's really geared towards either talking to God, praising God, asking God, connecting with God. And you know what? I think it's amazing that we're allowed to sing songs to the Lord because it just shows to me God's nature. He's a creator God. Um, when I was growing up, I thought to be creative, like it wasn't something that was big on God's priority list. I thought really like what God wanted from me was that I was really good at math and that I got good grades and that I was going to go to a good college and like just be this businessman guy who contributed to society. Because a lot of times when you grow up, like you realize, like, I don't know how many of you guys are artists here, but you may have realized that like your parents might have noticed your artistic tendencies and they might have been like, hey, that's kind of cool. But like, what about get a real job? People don't really look at creative people as much like they really contribute as much to society as everyone else. Well, what I say to that is look at God. In the beginning, God what? Created the heavens and the earth. He's an artist. He's an amazing artist. So for those of you guys who are musicians or photographers or songwriters or poets or dancers or whatever, know that you're reflecting God's nature when you do these things. 
You know, God himself is a singing God. In, in Zephaniah, that's an interesting book name. In Zephaniah 3 to 17, it says, the Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God loves us so much that he's in heaven and he sings over us. I, I can't wait to hear what that voice sounds like. The Bible also talks about around God's throne in the heavenly courts, there are angels that surround him. And you know what it says that they do? They're singing, they're singing. And so music is something that God made. It's God-given, it's God-made. It's not just this man-made thing we came up with. It's, I think it's intrinsically connected to the human heart and soul. It's the language of the heart. And singing together, it really unites people, right? When we come together, we, we sing a song, it unites people. I know some um, will gather together and they'll be united over singing their national anthem. When I was in New Zealand, um, I was at a New Zealand church and it was very interesting because we were singing the New Zealand national anthem, which I did not know. And obviously I'm an American. And it was really funny because I was listening to the words and uh, in the New Zealand national anthem, it was like, there's, I can't remember the tune, but the lyrics were like, and Lord, if anyone attacks our nation, help us to crush them and destroy them. We love you, Lord, Hosanna. And I was like, whoa, that's weird, New Zealand. Like even we're not that intense with our national anthem them. Um, it was pretty cool. Anyway, um, when you go to baseball games, they will sing Sweet Caroline at, uh, what, what game is that, Brooklyn? Do you know? What team? They'll sing the Sweet Caroline. Red Sox? I think it's the Red Sox. So singing is something where when you get together and you lift, your, your, lift up your voice to other people, it connects you. It really connects you. You know, um, Music is something that even breaks through cultural barriers, like different languages. I remember when I went to Russia as a student, I was uh, in 10th grade, and I went on a field trip. Uh, actually, it was a missions trip to Russia with my school choir at Calvary. Ron Barger led the choir. And we went down, and it was crazy because we showed up in Russia. We're in this town called Kaluga. And, um, you know, no one can understand us. Like, no one knows who we are. No one knows what we're about. Well, we stood on the street corner and about 50 students, we sung this song. And it wasn't even in English. It was in Latin. And the Russians didn't understand it. And to be honest, we didn't even understand it. But as we sung this song and they heard the notes and, and they heard the words, there was something beautiful about it where all of a sudden all these Russian students were surrounding us and they wanted to talk to us and they wanted to get to know us because of the music. So song is something that connects us. And when we get together as a church, Song is really, it's a, it's a place where we are allowed to feel deeply. God wants you in worship to connect and feel deep things. But how many of you guys are guilty of occasionally when worship is happening, kind of just singing the songs in a sing-along mode and not really thinking about the words and what they mean? Anyone want to admit to that? I definitely do that all the time. I want to challenge us tonight to understand that God wants us to think deeply about the music that we sing. It's easy to zone out, but the point tonight is to learn how to pray through songs. So let's look at some of these verses in Psalm chapter one. Look at verse two. What does he say? In verse one, he says, sing a new song to the Lord. And in verse two, he says, sing to the Lord, bless his name. How do you bless someone's name? Like, how do you bless someone's name? What does that even mean to bless a name? Well, the meaning of it is it's to thank someone. To bless their name, it's, it's a, to bless God's name, it's to thank him for what he's done. And we're, for our first song tonight with uh, Emily over here, we're gonna sing the song, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. And I want you to think about the words of that song. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, worship his holy name. You know, usually you think of blessing as something God does. He's the one with the power. 
He's the one with the grace. He's the one with the spirituality. And so he goes to us lowly humans and he blesses us when we need a blessing. But you know what's awesome? That we have the opportunity to bless God. And it's not that we have anything in us of ourselves that allows us to bless God because we don't have any holy nature in ourselves. But because Jesus is with us and in us, because his Holy Spirit is in us, we're given this spiritual ability where we can turn back around and bless the Lord. And when we thank him, when our hearts are grateful, he's blessed. How many of you guys have ever worked really hard, like really hard on like a class project or something around the house maybe, and no one thanked you? You guys ever been there? It's rough, right? Like you pour all this work into maybe cleaning the house for your parents or, or helping with your siblings or something and you don't hear that thank you. But in those times where you do hear that thank you, isn't it? It's just like music to your ears, right? Like sometimes it's almost like you would rather have that thank you, that, that not just like a little thank you, but a real heartfelt thank you. It's almost better than like money or a present just to know that someone appreciates you. It's, it's like music to your ears. God deserves that. In the end of verse two, it says, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Do we always feel like singing every day? Do you guys always feel like singing during worship? I, I don't. Some of you guys nodded and you're awesome. But there's some, there's some times where I'm like, I do not feel like worshiping. But the Psalm challenges us here to pray and to proclaim the good news of the salvation from day to day. Think of the song, bless the Lord, O my soul. How does the verse go? The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. It's a new day. So it's time to sing. It's time to praise the Lord. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, whatever has happened in my life and whatever is ahead, let me be singing when the evening comes. We're called to sing out and proclaim what is true regardless of how we feel. Look at that word proclaim in verse two, proclaim. Did you know that word is, it's where we get the word evangelize. Have you ever thought that you singing to the Lord is evangelism? Now you might be here sitting in the circle and you're like, well, we're all Christians. So it's kind of just Christian clubs sing a long time, right? No, these songs, I don't know if you've noticed, I often don't really think about it, but these songs, these different songs that we sing hold the truth of the gospel in them. So when we sit around in a circle and we sing the song, what we're really doing is we're preaching the gospel to one another and to ourselves. To proclaim the gospel is to evangelize it. When you guys sing, you are participating and preaching the gospel to one another. I encourage you, I challenge you to think of it that way. In verse three, it says, declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among the people. Do you realize, this is really cool. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among the people. Declare all the great, amazing, wonderful, marvelous things that God has done. Do you guys realize that you know more about God than the person who wrote this Psalm? Have you ever thought about that? You have a better grasp on the heart and plan and purpose of God than the person who wrote this Psalm in the Bible. Because this guy wasn't around for Jesus, you're on the other side of the cross. And so when you sing, when you lift up your voice, you can do it in a way where you are acknowledging the Lord and praying through, man, as you're singing, whatever song you're singing, Lord, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for everything. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Think of the lyrics to the song we're about to sing. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. As you're singing those words, remember to thank the Lord, to actually not just sing the words, but to thank him in your heart. God, thank you that you're patient towards me. 
Thank you that you're rich in love. Thank you that even though because of all my sins, you don't just lash out at me, but you love me. Your name is great and your heart is kind. Yahweh, your name is so great. Now listen, I know that like as a song's moving, it's hard to like pause with each sentence and like give this awesome prayer. But this is my encouragement to you. Don't just blindly fly through a song and sing through it. This is what I try to do is as I'm singing a song, I look for something in the song that God is trying to speak to me. And maybe it's just one sentence in the song, but as I, as I sing those words, I latch onto that sentence and the meaning. And the whole rest of the time I'm singing the song, I'm just like, man, you're so rich in love. Man, I'm so poor. You're so rich in love. Thank you, Jesus. Or God, your heart is so kind. Thank you so much for your kindness. I love this at the end of the song. Um, this is a Matt Redman song. And he writes, for all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Honestly, like, for the longest time when I heard that song, I was like, what does that line even mean? Like 10,000 reasons for my, like, like what is that? Um, and, you know, and then he does the 10,000 years and forevermore. And I read an article about why he wrote it. And it was really simple. He, he said, basically, first of all, he's like, it rhymed. Um, but he said, second of all, if I can't find a reason to sing, my heart is in the wrong place. And I love that. If we can look at our life, honestly, all that God has done for us, and we can't find one reason to sing. And again, not a guilt trip for those of you guys who are not big singers, but if we can't find a reason to not engage in that moment, like if we're just on our phones, if we're just looking at Snapchat, if we're just talking to our friends during worship and we're not just engaging in the goodness of God, then what are we here for? Bless the Lord, oh my soul.
It's so good to worship together. I love that's what we're going to be doing tonight as we continue to go through the psalm. Psalm 96, look at verse 4. It says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised, for he is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Look at verse five. It says, for all the gods of the people are idols. You know, idolatry is a Christian word that we hear a lot. But it's important to understand that in the context of worship, guys, idolatry is really, it's anti-worship. It's the opposite of worship. And we all do it. A.W. Tozer says the essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him, unworthy thoughts of God. I think that's really good. Sometimes we think thoughts about God that don't match up with who he really is. Sometimes we, we think of him in a way that's less than he is. Think about in the Garden of Eden when Eve ate that fruit. What was she really saying? What were were her thoughts about God in that moment? What did God tell her? I'm all you need. I'm everything. I'm here for you. I love you. As she takes that fruit, her thoughts about God are God is not enough. God can't give me all that I need. I need more. I need something else. And she made her idol, the first idol, what she thought she needed. Not just that fruit, but the knowledge of something more. It reminds me of the song, Good, Good Father, The first line, oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. Culture is constantly telling us what they think God is like. God is hateful. God is angry at you. God is violent. God is just full of just anger and wants to destroy you. That is not who God is. That is not what God is like. Think about it. In the Bible, they had biblical idols back in the day of the Old Testament. They worshiped the wind god. What did they think? They thought, he's the god who controls the wind. That was their thought about God. Or the sun god. I don't want him to burn me, so I'll worship him so that he continues to come up over the horizon. They worshiped rain gods because they wanted rains to fall on their crops. They had these false ideas of God. It was less. It was, I mean... We know that our God controls the wind and the sun and the rain and all these things. He, he holds the weather systems of the world in his hand. He created science and he created all of these different systems. But that's not just who he is. He's so much more. Think about in the Bible's day when Jesus shows up on the scene. What was the Jewish mindset towards God and Jesus? What did they think? Who did they think he was? Who did they want? for their Messiah to be. They, they wanted a king to come over, grab a sword, grab horses, grab soldiers, and overthrow Rome. They wanted him to kill Nero. Can you imagine? Like, that'd be like if we lived today, Jesus hadn't come yet, but we were waiting for him to come, and then he shows up, and we're like, oh, so you're gonna go to the White House and like overthrow the government, right? You're gonna like totally be this like, social justice warrior terrorist. This is gonna be so rad, Jesus. That's what they wanted. They wanted him to overthrow the system. And he was going to overthrow the system, but it was through something completely different than what they thought, not through violence, but through love. We idolize people because we look at them and we project on them what we think God is like. We look at Kanye West and we're like, oh, he seems to think 
that he's God? Maybe he is. Or we look at Kim Kardashian or Beyonce or Justin Bieber and we think, oh, maybe this is like what it's like. This is what God is like to, to be so successful. There's people in the world right now who look at our two candidates and they put that pressure on them to be their savior. Some of us, we wanna find God in our iPhone 7 or in the clothes that we wear or in money or friends. But I love this quote from Kyle Eidelman. He says, what you are searching for and chasing after reveals the God that is winning the war in your heart. There is constantly a battle in our heart. And you, you never would think of that. You'd never look at your iPhone 7 and think, oh, this is God. You'd never look at Kanye and be like, oh, you're God. Wow. You, well, he seems to think wow, it. Right. You would never look at your girlfriend and say, oh, you are God. But there are constantly things competing for that spot of God in our heart. What you are searching for and chasing after reveals the God that is winning the war in your heart. Think of that verse, or not verse. Oh yes, sorry, think of that verse. Uh, Verse five, for all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. All the gods of the people are idols, they're false, but our God made the heavens. That should stop any debate. Think about it. You've got God debating with somebody, and the one guy's like, I've got $3 billion in the bank. I got four girlfriends, seven cars, two boats. And the guy says, or, and then God says, well, I created the universe. Like that just stops the debate right there. I made the universe. I love in Good, Good Father that line, oh, I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers only you provide. Jesus is the answer. Think of all the world's problems. Think of war. That's a problem. What's Jesus' solution? He says, I'm the Prince of Peace and I died so that no one else had to die. I died so you don't have to go around killing your enemies. I died so that you could love your enemies just as I loved you and you were my enemy. Think of fatherlessness. What's the solution to that? Jesus says, I am the good father. I don't care what has happened in your family situation. If you've had a good dad or a bad dad or a dad who wasn't even there, Jesus says, I am the good father and I will always be there for you. Homelessness and poverty. What's the solution to that? Jesus actually was homeless himself. He suffered through homelessness on this earth so that every single person, including every homeless person in our society who follows Jesus and puts their hope in Jesus has the promise of a future home in heaven. And not only that, but Jesus has raised up Christians, followers of him who give to charity and to, who love the homeless and work on developing housing for the homeless. Think of racism. That's a huge thing going on in our world today. It seems like it's everywhere. Accusations of racism, actual racism, things going on all the time. It still exists. We can't, we can't say because the Civil War was won so many years ago that no one's racist anymore. I've seen racism in my own heart as I look at people crossing the street and judge them based on the color of skin. I have done it myself. Racism lurks in the heart of man. God created everyone as a part of one race, the human race, and he loves us. This is the answer to racism. Jesus says, treat every single person better than you treat yourself regardless of their skin color, regardless of you, of you feel like they deserve it, regardless of if they annoy you, that person at school, Jesus says, treat everyone better than you treat yourself. Think of the problem of today of, of women being mistreated. And all around the world, women are still horribly mistreated in some countries sold into slavery. And in some cultures, just disrespected. The answer to that is Jesus says, look, men and women are created equal. 
Jesus shows men and women how to live together in unity and love for one another. Any problem, Jesus is the answer. The gospel of Jesus is the answer. The kingdom of Jesus is the answer. A.R. Bernard says this, idolatry is seeking security and meaning in someone or something other than God. Are you here today looking for security and safety from something that's not your good father? Look at verse four. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. You know, back in the ancient Near East, in the Bible times, they were afraid of gods, absolutely. They were afraid of getting struck by lightning. They were afraid of getting burnt to death. Here's the reality, though. Here's the reality. Because I've taught this before, and I've focused a lot on God's love. I'm reading in, like, the Old Testament right now in my devotions. So I was reading in Numbers the other day. Moses is out in the wilderness, and... I see the element of like fearing God come out in this. Like the reality that we do need to fear God. Check this out. I'm reading Numbers. Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness and they would have made it to the promised land so fast. They would, have just, they would have made it. It would have been quick, but they kept rebelling. They kept complaining. They kept saying, God's not with us. God hates us. He's not protecting us. Like it would just be better if we went back to Egypt. And I'm, I'm reading this. I'm like, oh man, these people are complaining. I wonder what God's gonna do. And like God lit some of them on fire. There were some of them where God opened up the earth and like swallowed them with an earthquake. There, were, there was one person who got struck with leprosy because she was being rebellious. It was Moses' sister, actually. It's crazy. And I'm reading this. I'm like, whoa, God, like you do not do that to me when I sin. Thank you. This is kind of gnarly. Here's the reality that I realize. It's God's right to judge and punish sin. Like if God were to drop a meteor on this group of people right now, That'd be totally okay because we deserve it. We're sinners. We've messed up. We've made mistakes. So, and what, I say, what I'm saying is not fear God in the way where you're terrified of him, that he's gonna light you on fire because here's the amazing thing. The truth is out in the desert when God was punishing sin, which he has every right to do, in those moments he was looking forward to the cross. In those moments when he was punishing sin, not only was he looking forward to the cross, but he always offered mercy to those whose hearts sought it. He was looking forward to the cross where he said, one day I will not go around punishing the sin of all of my people. I will give them a way of escape. I will give them an opportunity for salvation because of Jesus's death on the cross. They will be able to be saved. And so as I look at the song, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. I realize that I deserve that fire and that leprosy and that earthquake swallowing me up. I've sinned. I've complained against God. I've had rebellion in my heart towards God. There's been times where I've sinned on accident and there's been times where I straight up knew what I was doing and I just did what I wanted to do. But I'm so blessed that I've been born into like this age of grace. It's the same God as the Old Testament, the one we have now. It's the same God. So when it says that God is to be feared, Here's what it means, two things. One, back in the day, you feared that God was gonna kill you if you sinned. I think now, even though we don't have to be afraid of God killing us, we should have a crazy respect for him, a crazy respect of how powerful he is, how amazing he is, how just he is. Like, when you look at a giant wave, like a, have you guys ever watched like a video of like a tidal wave on YouTube? They're huge and they're gnarly and you look at it and you're just in awe. You're not like, whatever. You're like, whoa, I hope that never gets me. I look at God and I'm like, whoa, you're, 
you are amazing, you're powerful, you're fantastic, and you have every right to destroy me, but because you love me, you sent your son to be destroyed on the cross for me. We need to have a fear of the Lord, a respect for him. In verse six, it says, honor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. That word sanctuary, it's in Hebrew, mikdash. Everyone say mikdash. Here's what it means. It's a holy space, a set apart space. As we get together, as, as Emily gets ready to sing this next song, I just wanna talk about holy spaces for a moment. Some of you guys might even be checking out right now, kind of tuning out. I want to encourage you, when we come together, realize it's a holy space. There was a time where Moses comes up with this burning bush in the wilderness. Like, normally little bramble bushes, they're made of dry, thin branches. That stuff burns up quick. So Moses is looking at this freak of nature, this bush in the wilderness that is burning, but not being destroyed. It's just, it's just continuing to burn. It's just on fire. And then the bush speaks, and it's God's voice out of this crazy event that's happening. And he says, Moses, take off your sandals. Take off your feet. You're on holy ground. It's mikdash. It's a holy place. It's the same reason why when you're sitting out underneath the stars, you guys ever like to sit out underneath the stars? In like the quiet moment where you're looking at the stars and all your friends, you're just enjoying nature? So in that moment, you know it's not appropriate to pull out your phone and start showing, like, Angry Orge YouTube videos because you're ruining the holiness in the moment. It's a set-apart moment. In these moments, it's set apart for the Lord. So we don't distract one another, but we give it to the Lord. It's holy. It's set apart. It's not a moment where we act super spiritual. It's a moment where we set it apart for the Lord. So as we sing this song, let's make this a holy moment.
The next part of the psalm we're looking at is verse seven through 10. Give to the Lord, O families of the people. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns and the world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. You know, I think one of the things that the scriptures points us to is the reality that when we sing songs, we should think deeply about the lyrics. I would challenge you guys to even go through what are your favorite worship songs and really sit down and look through the lyrics and steady them, almost like you were studying a chapter of the Bible to understand what those words really mean so that when you sing them, you have a deep understanding of the theology behind the song. So we're gonna look at this section of this psalm, Psalm 96, and we're also gonna look at the song Rising Sun. So let's look first at the psalm. Verse seven, give to the Lord, O families of the people, give to the Lord glory and strength. Now, first glance, when I read this, I just think like, oh, like, yeah, give to the Lord glory, all you families of all you peoples. It's like, you got a family? Praise the Lord, right? Simple as that. Well, if you look at the Hebrew, the word families is, it's this awesome Hebrew word that like totally makes you clear your throat. It's uh, mishpach, mishpacha. Everyone say mishpacha. It's awesome. It means, here's what it means. See, your throat's all cleared now. So saying, give to the Lord, O mishpacha of the peoples. Families of the nations is what the meaning is. When it talks about mishpacha, it's talking about your last name, your tribe, your family. Did you guys know that the way that the, the story of the Bible ends is it's all of the families of all of the tribes of the nations who believed in Jesus coming together in this like giant worship service in heaven to proclaim the Lord. All of these nations and all these people pouring into the new Jerusalem. If you guys don't know, I mean, we have Israel right now is obviously in the middle of this big war in the Middle East. Well, one day, new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, and the, the families of the world, not just Americans, not just English people, not just Israel, or not just Jewish people, Israelites, but all of the nations will be pouring in to the temple, pouring into God's presence to worship. It's gonna be this mass gathering of diversity and there's gonna be all these unique stories being shared. People, I mean, I can't wait to sit down and hear the stories of Christians from Africa or Christians from Germany or Christians who were around during World War I. What was your story? How did you come to know Jesus? Like we have so many books now written, but to be able to sit down with all of these people who've gone through so many amazing things and hear their individual stories is going to be fantastic. I think of the song Rising Sun where it says, praise him, all you sinners. Sing, oh, sing, you weary. Praise him, all you children of God. I love that because what is it? What happens? There's identifications. The first thing it says, praise him, all you sinners. What if that was just a song? Praise him, all you sinners. That's just the end of the song. But then he goes on, he says, sing, oh, sing, you weary. And then praise him, all you children of God. So for sinners... When we get together as sinners, which we are, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I've sinned this week. I've made mistakes. I'm a sinner. What is it that allows us to be called children of God? 
It's our relationship with Jesus. That's what unites us all together. How, how does the song go? It says, we lift high his glory shown throughout our stories. You know, if we were to sit down and have every single person tell their life story, every single person, we would be glorified. That's, that's the reason we do testimonies. That's the reason why people share their testimony, whether it was like this crazy testimony, like I used to be a drug dealer and a prostitute and a pimp and now I'm saved. Like you've heard people who've had those crazy stories. And then there's people like me who are like, I was a Christian kid. I came out of the womb, doctor slapped me. I said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And now I'm still here. But no matter what, all of those stories are testimonies that bring glory to the Lord. We lift high his glory, shown throughout his story. We praise him as the children of God. We're united by Christ. Guys, this is something that I think like as Christians in America, we need to, we need to remember this. Seriously, we need to remember the importance, the fact that we are united with Christians around the world. What links us together? It is the body of Christ. And right now, I mean, you guys are young, but some of you guys are getting older and you're realizing during election season, how many, how many of you guys have uh, grown-ups in your life who are just nonstop talking about the election? Anybody? Yeah, 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 okay. So we live in a country, just like people in Germany live in a country, or people in Africa live in a country, or people in Switzerland live in a country. During election season, there's a lot of talk about our country. There's a lot of talk about we need to look out for us. We need to look out for, number one, America, number one. We need to do what blesses us. We need to do what keeps us safe. We need to do what strengthens us. But guys, we need to remember that the kingdom of God is a kingdom without walls and a kingdom without borders. It's a kingdom of sacrificial love. Here's the thing. This is what I realized. Once I became a Christian, even though I'm born in America, once I became a Christian and I became a part of God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, which is global with no walls and no borders, Really, the Syrian man who is a Christian is more my countryman than the next door neighbor who lives in Southern California. You, know, you might be like, that sounds crazy. It's because I belong to a heavenly kingdom. Yes, I'm in the country I'm in. I'm, I'm in America. And just like Daniel was in Israel and Isaiah was in Israel, they, they were called to live for God first, but then to bless their country. As an American, I'm called to bless my country. I'm called to do good for my country. I'm called to love my country but I'm called to live for God's kingdom first. And that means I look at people in foreign countries, faraway countries like Syria and Pakistan and uh, Germany and just all these different places. I'm called to look at those countries and not think, oh, those people are others. No, there are Christians there. There are people who love Jesus. They are my brothers. They are my sisters. They are my countrymen of the heavenly kingdom. Look at verse seven says, look at all the gives, verse seven and verse eight. Give to the Lord, O families of the people. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Guys, when we sing, when you sing, when you pray through song, what you're doing is you're offering God this moment of like pure recognition. Where you're sitting in a circle with friends and you're singing and you're saying, God, I recognize you're awesome. I recognize you're great. You're amazing. Think of uh, in the song, Rising Sun, we sing our great redeemer, glorious savior. We're saying, God, you're great. You've saved us. You laid down your life for us. You are fantastic. Your name is higher than the rising sun. We look in the sky. The sky is high. The sun is high. God, your name is higher. Why do we say these things? Because it's a fun song? No, we say it because God deserves it. Look at verse nine. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. 
we need to remember that God is beautiful. As we pray, as we worship, we need to remember that God is beautiful. How many of you guys ever get up early to see the sunrise? And you guys for school, you guys see the sunrise, you get up early. Isn't it beautiful? Sunrises are amazing. And this is what I love about just the connection between this. Think about it. It says, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Remember in the song, Rising Sun, I love the connection. Light of the morning, you shine forever. I love that light of the morning. That morning light, when you get up and the sun is rising and it's coming up before anyone else is awake, that light's holy. It's different than any other light. It's, 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 it's unique. It's different than the daylight. It's different than the sunset. When that sunrise comes up, there's something unique and special about it. That's the way Jesus is. He's totally unique. He's totally amazing. When I pray, this is what I wanna teach you guys, to pray through songs. Sometimes I'll think about songs I really like. Rising Sun is a song that I really like. And so sometimes before I know I'm gonna go to church and I might sing it, I'll look through songs and I'll pray through them. I'll think through them. As I was thinking through Rising Sun, just like I would pray through a psalm, I was, I was thinking about this and I was praying and I feel like the Lord gave me this word for the song Rising Sun. I remember that when Jesus rose, when Jesus rose in the morning, just like the sunrise rises in the morning, when Jesus rose from the dead, the sun on the new world of the kingdom rose. It was a world, a whole new world. Think about it. Before Jesus died, the world was in death. The world was in darkness. Like Rome was crucifying people. The most horrendous death you can imagine. People were in slavery and bondage. Israelites were occupied by Roman rule. Horrible things were happening all over the world. Just like today, we've got horrible things happening. In Jesus' day, horrible things were happening. When Jesus rose from the dead, the sun rose on the new world of the kingdom that Jesus made. A world where sins can be forgiven. That wasn't around before. A world where death has no sting. People in your family, people in your life die, but you know that if they follow Jesus, you can look forward to seeing them again alive in the kingdom. In fact, if you've lost a family member here tonight and they have followed Jesus, you know that they are actually more alive than we are right now. The sun rose on this world where we can love perfectly. The sun rose on a world where we had purpose. Look at verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. I love that. The Lord reigns. What, what does a king do? He reigns. In the song Rising Sun, we say, hallelujah, name above all, simply to speak your name is praise. What does the word hallelujah mean? Do you guys ever like sing those words and you were like, are like, what am I singing? You're like, Hosanna, what does Hosanna mean? I don't know, Jewish words, yeah, you know what I mean? Like we're singing these words that come in these different languages. So hallelujah, what does it mean? It, it's, it means praise, yeah, hallelujah. Who's Yah? Yahweh. It's a shortened version of his name. So when you say hallelujah, you're saying praise Yah, Yahweh. It actually goes even further. The word means praise him with song. Guys, we are called to sing and with our words proclaim that Jesus is king, that he's the name above all. And what do we say? If Jesus is king, it changes everything. I love it. Look at verse 10. It says, the world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. Now we're not singing this song, but that word moved, it's the Jewish word mot, and it means shaken. And what's the song that we know? We will not be shaken. I love it. The Bible just ties together the worship songs. Because 
Jesus rules this world that we live in because his son has risen on the new world of the kingdom. We can't be shaken. Who can be against us? The forces of hell can come against us, but they can't tear down the walls of the church. Not the building, but the family of God. As we sing this song, Rising Sun, I want to encourage you guys. Think over these words, pray through them, and see what God would speak to your heart as you pray through the song. section to go over in the psalm. Look at verse 11 through 13. By the way, thanks Emily. You're doing a great job. Verse 11. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar. 
and all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. This is a great section of the verse, the end of the verse, to look at how does, how does the psalmist pray? How does this, the psalmist, the guy who wrote this psalm, what does his prayer life look at? You know, this is poetry, what he's writing in this psalm. It's, it's poetry. It's Jewish poetry. I mean, think about it. Look at verse one. Uh, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Have you ever like been taking a walk and you looked down at the earth and the earth is like, I'm so happy today. I'm so glad. I am the earth and I am glad. <laughs> Rejoice in my splendor. <laughs> I've never seen that. Have you ever like been down by the ocean and like heard it roar? Like not like the noise the ocean makes, but you're like, you're taking a walk, walk on the beach and the ocean's like, Rah! <laughs> no, it doesn't happen. You know, has, have you ever been in a field and the field is like, oh, I am so joyful. I am a field. And like the gophers are like, oh, joyful. No, and, and, and you know, the woods. Have you ever been in the woods and then the woods just start singing? <laughs> Songs. I'd be so creepy. Like even if they were singing the, my favorite worship song, I'd be like, no, I'm no, no, I am leaving. So it's 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 poetry. He's writing a poem. It's it's a love poem to God in this in this psalm. What's the author trying to say in the poem? Well, when I look at the psalm, I really see the heart of the psalmist to praise God and to love Him. Look look at it. Look at the look at the words. In verse one, let the heavens rejoice and the earth be glad. He's saying, he's saying, Lord, you know, when I look up at the stars, it's like, it's like twinkling party lights. I love them. When, when I look at the stars, Lord, it's like the stars are rejoicing for you. So full of your goodness. He's looking at the ocean and he's seeing the ocean. He's like, Lord, the, the ocean, it's powerful and huge, just like you. I don't know about you guys, but my, the ocean I used to not be a beach guy. I love the beach now. I don't ever get in, but I like to look at it. And when I look at the ocean, that to me is one of the things that makes me feel more connected to God's bigness and his glory than anything. He's looking at the fields and the flowers and he's saying, Lord, these fields and these flowers, they bring joy to all who look at them, just like you, Lord. This is his prayer life. When he looks at the trees swaying in the wind, he's saying, Lord, it's like the trees are dancing and singing for you, Yahweh. He's teaching us through song and through nature, the world, to be able to experience God. I love that. I love the thought that all of creation points to God. When I, I go for walks all the time, and in those walks, even though I'm focused on burning calories, because that's what's important, um, I love to take moments to look at a lake or a tree and think God made this and this reflects his beauty. All of creation is exploding with pointers to God. So how can we, how can we like when we're singing a song, pray in the same way? Well, I think it's just about finding how the song connects with the heart. Look at, uh, or you, can't, you don't have it in front of you, but think of the song, God is Able. The song says, God is able, he will never fail. He is a mighty God, greater than all we seek, greater than all we ask. He's done great things. As we go through that song, it connects us to the heart of God is able to do anything. He's never going to fail us. He's mighty. 
He's amazing. He's big and he's powerful. He's greater than all we seek in our life. Just like in the song, Good, Good Father, we're always seeking and searching for the next big thing, the next great thing, the next thing to fill our attention. I don't know about you guys, but I am totally with you if you're here in the ADD generation where it's like you always have to be entertained by something. We're constantly always wanting to be entertained. And God says, I'm better than all that you seek for your entertainment or your fulfillment. Greater than all you ask. The Lord has done great things. When I hear that song, I remember that God has done great things. I think back in my life on all the great things God has done. Look at verse 13. He says, for he is coming. He's coming to judge the earth. This is a weird verse to wrap up on. Verse 13, he is coming to judge the earth. He'll judge the world with righteousness and all the peoples with his truth. Okay, this verse is actually a scary verse. Here's why. Think about it. He says he's going to judge the world with righteousness. What does righteousness mean? In the Jewish author's mindset, righteousness was the standard of right relationship. Here's what that means. You're in a relationship with someone. Relationships will come with conditions where you have to fulfill your end of the relational bargain. So if I, let's say you have a dog. You have a dog. You need to be a dog owner, a good dog owner. If you feed your dog, take him for walks, you know, you're you're righteous. Like you don't let him die. You, you, you take care of him. You, you mind him. You are a good owner. That dog will look at you and be like, you're righteous. You're righteous, bro. If, if that dog licks your face when you come home from work and is super friendly to you and doesn't bite you and is like man's best friend to you, then that dog is being a righteous dog. It's fulfilling its end of the relationship. So think about it. For us, what's our relationship with God? He's God. He's amazing. He's perfect. He made us. Was he righteous to us the whole time as humanity? Yeah. He loved us. He protected us. He cared for us. He tried to save us, even when we couldn't save ourselves, which was all the time. Were we always, as humans, righteous towards God? Do we hold up our end of the relational bargain? Have you always been righteous towards God? I haven't. There's been a lot of times where I'm not righteous towards God. I fail, I drop the ball. To be righteous for me in that relationship means I need to obey God. I need to love him. I need to follow him. I need to put him first. I don't always do that. So if that verse says he comes to judge the world with righteousness, that's a scary verse. How can God be able to judge us righteously without destroying us? Think about it. If there's a judge and that judge is in a courtroom and a criminal comes into the courtroom and They say, this guy killed people, he stole from people, he cheated people, and he never got caught neither. Stupid office reference. Anyway, um, (laughs) prison Mike. Anyway, um, they they brought him out. And and the judge looks at him and says, you know what? Eh, you're okay. Get out of here. Full pardon. Is that judge being righteous? Is he being a righteous judge towards, towards the people in the community who are wronged by this guy? towards the criminal who deserves justice in jail? Is he being righteous? No. So if God's gonna judge us righteously without destroying us, which is what we deserve, how can, how can he be able to do that? Here is how. It's found in the chorus of the world, God is able. Lifted up. Jesus is lifted up on the cross. He defeated the grave. When we hear the words defeated the grave, it's not just talking about being in the ground. The grave represents sin and death. 
It represents every horrible thing that has ever happened. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he not only defeated the very concept of death, but he defeated the very concept of sin. He was raised to life. And because of that, our God is able to righteously forgive our sins. How? Because he died in our place. Because he took the punishment. We deserve sin. But because he died for us, he is being a righteous judge because he gave the punishment to someone and he took it all on himself. In his name, we overcome for the Lord our God is able. I love it. He is able to forgive us of our sins. He is able to restore us to right relationship with God. Guys, if you're here today and you've messed up, man, there's been so many times where I was a youth group kid and I showed up to church and like I had the weight of the world on my shoulder because I knew what I had done that week or that month or that year. I knew all of my sins and a lot of times it felt like they were piling up. Maybe you feel that way today. Your sins are just piling up. You need to know that God loves you and he looks at you and he says, I want to have a righteous relationship with you. How is that possible, God? I've sinned. It is possible through Jesus's death on the cross. Because of his death, God looks at you and he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see your past. He sees your potential and what you could be. He looks at you and he says every good thing that's in you and he sees potential for so much more. And I love that. As we sing this next song, I encourage you guys, remember that whatever you're facing in your life, God is able, pray through it, give it to God. He is able to help you with whatever you're facing today.
that's Psalm 96. I hope you guys have enjoyed this night, just of kind of doing things differently and reflecting through worship. And I just want to close with one more song. I asked Emily to learn it, and totally, she's a trooper and totally learned a new song. Um, it's a song that I feel like kind of could be the theme song of our prayer series. What's the first verse of Song chapter 96? Sing to the Lord a new song. And so many times in our life we go through new experiences and God teaches us new things. And for the Jewish people, that was a constant recommendation for them. Sing a new song. Write a new song. Learn a new song. Because as we sing those songs together, we reflect on what God is doing in our group as a community. And for Hope Sankar, our youth group, for the past two months, God has been teaching us to pray. And so this song is called, Our God is Present. And it's all about prayer. And I just want to encourage you guys, you don't know the song, so just listen as Emily sings and let the words speak to you. But if you want to sing the chorus, it's just, Our God is Present, Our God is Present, Our God is Present everywhere. So, go for it. to see
Lord, that you're present. We thank you, God, that you're here. We thank you, God, that if we live a life of prayer, that you are with us everywhere, in the field, in the water when we're surfing, at school, in the car ride, on the plane, on the bus, at home, in our bedroom, in our backyard, under the stars. You're with us everywhere, God. Help us to realize that, that a treasure trove of blessings are waiting for us every day if we would just turn to you in prayer. What a friend we have in you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to go forward today remembering to pray, not as a list of Christian duties, not as something we should do to feel spiritual, but because you died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you for blessing this time of prayer and worship. In your name, amen. Amen.